I want you to think for a moment, who is the most humble person you know? If you thought of yourself, then it's not you. (laughs) I want you to listen to this quote by Burke Parsons and think about our strive to remain humble and how hard that is. So Burke says, once you think you've obtained humility, or once you think you've arrived at it, it's just the opposite. It's like being wise in your own eyes. We never arrive at humility, and humility is not something that you can ever really see in yourself. It is something only others can see. In one sense, the more you grow in humility, the more you actually grow in your recognition of your own pride. So you don't feel like you're growing in humility at all. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, Two weeks ago, Ian walked us through the first uh, few verses of that, uh, showing us that the elders are qualified men who steward the church uh, and oversee it, and that they must be eager and willing to, to lead us, and that they must be an example for us. So tonight, we are in the next part, in verses 5 through 7, where Peter switches from addressing the elders to addressing the church. Join me as I read Peter, 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. For the note-takers out there, there will be three points. Point one, humble yourself before the elders. Point two, humble yourselves before one another. And point three, humble yourselves before God. And I'll repeat those. Point one, humble yourself before the elders. Point two, humble yourself before one another. And point three, humble yourselves before God. So point one, humble yourselves before the elders. Verse five says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. First thing I want to point out is that this is not the first time Peter has instructed the church to submit or be subject to something else. Back in chapter 2, Peter tells us to be subject to every human institution. He tells servants to be subject to their masters. And in chapter 3, he tells wives to be subject to their husbands. But now, for more information on that, you can check out the podcast and the previous sermons over those passages. But now Peter is going from the external, the world, to the internal, the church. I want you to notice the phrase, you who are younger, that's in that verse. The word younger there has two meanings. The first is what you think it means. It means to be less in years or youthful. But the second meaning means new, as in those who are new in the faith. I believe Peter addresses those who are younger because they are the ones who are most likely to think they know better and most likely to be disobedient. Most of us in here have been teenagers before. Uh, 
But Peter is not saying that only the physically younger or the spiritually younger are the ones that are to be subject to the elders, but he's instructing the whole church to humble themselves or submit themselves to the elders. So the question is, who are the elders? Well, if we go back to verse 1, we see that he's talking about the elders of the church. This doesn't mean, like some say, that it's everybody who is older than you, but he's specifically talking about those who God has placed over you within the local church. And so now we're going to ask two questions. Why and how? Why do we need to humble ourselves before them, and then how do we do it? Well, the first reason is because Scripture tells us to. Not only here in 1 Peter, but elsewhere. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And Paul instructs Titus in Titus 3.1 to remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. And then Paul also tells the Thessalonians to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.12. And that's the only reason we need. If Scripture tells us to do it, then we must. But if you need another reason to submit, it's because they care for you. As we just heard from Hebrews, they are tasked with keeping watch over our souls, and they will be held accountable to God. Here at CCBC, Tom, Alan, and Blake love this church. They love you and me, and they want to see us grow more and more into the image of Christ. Many of you know I live right down the road, and that has given me a special insight of the sacrifices that these men take to shepherd us. I drive by in the evenings, and I'll see Blake or Alan's truck sitting out front, knowing that they are inside working tirelessly on a sermon for that upcoming Sunday, sacrificing their time that they could be spending with their families at home. When they have their elder meetings on a Wednesday night, they are here long after most of us are in bed, praying for us individually as a church, individually and as a church, praying for wisdom on how to lead us, and making those tough decisions that must be made. They are here to teach, reprove, correct, and protect us. So it is very important for our well-being to submit to them. Now, the question turns to how do we submit to the elders? We must trust in the fact that God has placed them in the position of elder and therefore trust their leadership and direction while testing it against Scripture. Our church covenant says it this way. It says that we will highly esteem and love those who labor among us as elders because of their noble work, by supporting them and praying for them, while also welcoming and testing their instruction by the authority of scriptures. This means that we should listen to their advice. By all means, test it against scripture, but trust them because they want what is best for you, and that is to look like Christ. We should also imitate their faith. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of, their way of life and imitate their faith. Try not to take the elders for granted. Pray for them. Thank them for their willingness to serve and sacrifice for the church. Pray that they do not become discouraged in that role. Pray that they don't become selfish or prideful or greedy with power. Pray that they don't neglect their families while serving as an elder. 
They are a gift from God put in place for our spiritual good. So moving to point number two, humble yourselves before one another. Peter continues in verse five and says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That first part, clothe yourselves with humility, literally means to put on or tie a knot of humility around you. Uh, but let's pause real here real quick. Let's pause here real quick and define what humility is and isn't. Burke Parsons, again, defines humility this way. It says, humility is thinking of yourself less. It's getting over yourself and trying to put others first. And John MacArthur says it is a lowly-mindedness or an attitude that one is not too good to serve. Now let's talk about what humility is not. When the world thinks of someone with humility, they might think that they are weak or cowardly, unable to speak up for themselves, or maybe even the nice guy who doesn't ever get in anybody's way. That is not humility. Humility is also not doing something good so that others may see it and praise you. That is pride, not humility. Peter is instructing us to think of ourselves less and others more. Now I'm going to ask those same questions again. Why and how? Peter answers the why question when he quotes Proverbs 3:34. there in the rest of verse 5, saying, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 8.13 says that God hates pride and arrogance, the exact opposite of humility. But the biggest reason of why we must humble ourselves to one another is because Christ humbled himself for us. You don't have to turn there, but listen while I read from Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Did you hear that? Christ humbled himself. That's the gospel. Christ, who was in perfect triune unity with the Father and the Spirit, emptied himself by being born of a virgin in human flesh. He lived the perfect life, obeying the Father, never sinning, and submitted himself to the Father's plan. He died not of old age or of sickness or even murder, but willingly offered himself up on the cross as a sacrifice. He died so that many would have their sin forgiven by trusting and believing in him, repenting of their sin, and obeying his commands. Church, Peter is not telling us to humble ourselves so that everyone gets along and there's no quarrels in the church and that we all go sing kumbaya together. Peter is telling us to humble ourselves because Christ did, and we are called to be like him. Why should we serve the sick and helpless among us? Because Christ showed compassion to the sick and helpless. Why should we be quick to forgive when we are sinned against by others? Because Christ has forgiven us when we have sinned against him. 
Ephesians 5.21 says that we should be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Friends, we do it because of Christ. So now, how can we do this? Christ is a hard example to live up to, isn't it? So scripture, once again, tells us the answer. Philippians 2, 3, for 4, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So don't be selfish. Don't look for people that can serve you, but look of how you can serve and help others. That may look like coming in on a Saturday morning and scrubbing the toilets, as some of you do, or giving up some of your Sunday mornings and evenings to serve in childcare or security. It might look like sacrificing your time, energy, or money, or maybe all three at once. Whatever that looks like for you, just make sure you do it. But be careful to not, become, to not boast or become prideful in what you, in what you have what you have done, as, that, as our sin nature would want us to do. We have to keep a check on that and try to remain humble. Keep your head down and do the next thing. So moving to point number three, humble yourselves before God. Read verse six with me. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. What comes to mind when you think of the mighty hand of God? Does the flood during Noah's time come to mind? Or maybe the story of Joseph and how God worked everything for good? Or the plagues in Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea? All those certainly show his power. But have you ever thought about the story of Job? Job was a righteous man who loved and feared God, and then God brought suffering upon Job. Job remained faithful, but at one point he questions God as to why the suffering is happening. In Job chapters 38 through 42, we see God answer Job, and it's one of the best displays of God's power and might. We're not going to read all all four chapters, or we'd be here all night. Uh, But I highly recommend you read them for yourself if you want to be in awe of who God is. I'm going to go over a few highlights so we see the power of God. Um, But again, please read it. Uh, It is an amazing uh, little questioning from God to Job. But God questions Job and asks, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Or have you commanded the morning since the days began? and cause the dawn to know its place? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of water may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go? Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe clothe his neck with a mane? Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Do you see it? God is the almighty, sovereign, omnipotent, and everlasting one 
who is the creator of the universe. He holds life and death in his hand, and he does whatever he pleases. We can, truly, we can never truly humble ourselves before God if we don't see God for who he truly is. He is perfect and righteous in all his ways. He is loving and merciful, yet just at the same time. His greatness is unsearchable. Why as Christians must we humble ourselves before God? Because we have no other choice. It is impossible to gaze upon the glory of God and not be humbled. And as Christians, God has revealed his glory to us. We also see in the second part of verse 6 that we humble ourselves so that at the proper time he may exalt us. We see the same language in Matthew 23, 12. Jesus says that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We also see it in James 4, 10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. So what does that mean? Well, the Greek word for exalt means to raise to a condition of prosperity, dignity, or honor. Does this mean that if you humble yourself before God, you are guaranteed wealth or a noble role? No. Uh, if you try to humble yourself to get what you want, you aren't actually being humble at all. You're being selfish. Uh, I'm not saying God doesn't give wealth or status. He certainly does. He gives those gifts to those to fulfill his role in the church. Uh, but it means at the proper time, God's time, he will exalt you to fulfill your part in his plan until you are fully exalted with Christ in eternity. Notice it says, at the proper time, or in some translations, at the due time, he will exalt you. This may not be until you are with him in glory. That may be the only exaltation you have. Only God knows. We most likely will never see what God is doing in our life, and that is by design. We are called to submit ourselves to the care of him who knows all things. Remember that Peter is writing to those who are suffering and in persecution. God has allowed this as a test. The Christian life is daily submission to God, forsaking your wants and your desires and following Christ instead. If you are an unbeliever, or maybe you would call yourself a Christian, but you realize you haven't humbled yourself before God, let me echo Christ one more time from Matthew 23. If you don't humble yourself in this life, or if you don't humble yourself before God in this life, you will be humbled in the next and spend eternity under the wrath of God. But if you humble yourself now, you will be exalted with Christ in eternity. For every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So now we know why we should humble ourselves before God, but how do we do that? Pray, ask God for help. We can't humble ourselves on our own because of our sin nature. We must rely on the Spirit and die to ourselves in order to be made humble. We must also be readers and doers of the word. Obedience is required to humble ourselves. If you are disobedient, you are not being humble. We are still sinners and will continue to sin until we die. 
or the Lord returns. And that is why we must constantly look to Christ as our example and continually be repenting of our sin. We must follow his example and take up our cross daily and follow him. Look to his excellence and majesty and not the world. Peter shows us another way to humble ourselves before God. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55:22 says, cast all your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. How often do we hold on to our anxieties and worries instead of casting them on him? What a needless burden we bear. Peter tells us to cast them on him because he cares for us. God is not far off. He is a compassionate God who loves his children. If you ask someone in the Reformed community why Christ died for us, one answer that you would get is that Christ died for his own glory. In fact, that's the answer I would have given before I studied this passage. And that answer is not wrong, but it's not fully correct either. We far too often forget about the love of God and somehow forget the, the most well-known scripture of all, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 7 reminds us of that love. Because he cares for you. Oh, friends, I hope you see him there wanting and waiting for you to cast your anxieties and worries on him. Not just a few of them, not just some, but all of your anxieties. He delights in it. Matthew chapter 6 tells us not to be anxious, but to trust God who takes care of the birds, and would he not take care of us as well? Seek his kingdom first. Throw all your worries on him. If you hate your job and just want to quit, take it to him. If you wish that your children or your spouse would come to Christ, take it to him. If you are scared of the future, take it to him. If it's a struggle to keep going on in your marriage, take it to him. It may not go the way you want, but trust him because he is the only one who can give you the peace in this life a peace that surpasses all understanding. As we close, I want you to listen to the lyrics of the hymn, I Must Tell Jesus. It sums up casting your anxieties on him pretty well. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly an end. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me over the world the victory to win. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Um, we thank you for your gift of Christ. Lord, uh, how the example of him humbling himself um, for our sake, that he would die, that we would live. Father, we also thank you for the gift of the elders that you have placed over us. Lord, I pray that we uh, humble ourselves before them, submit to their leadership while encouraging and loving them back. Father, I'm thankful for the church that you have placed here. Lord, uh, the members um, are here to help one another. They complement one another. So, Father, we thank you for all these gifts. Lord, I pray that we uh, keep our eyes on you, and when we look at you, we cannot become prideful in ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.